0: Chapter fifteen of Oliver Twist This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens. Chapter 15 Showing How Very Fond of Oliver Twist, the Merry Old Jew and Miss Nancy were. In the obscure parlor of a low public house, in the filthiest part of Little Saffron Hill a dark and gloomy den, where a flaring gaslight burnt all day in the winter time, and where no ray of sun ever shone in the summer. There sat, brooding over a little pewter measure and a small glass, strongly impregnated with the smell of liquor, a man in a velveteen coat, drab shorts, half-boots and stockings, whom even by that dim light no experienced agent of the police would have hesitated to recognize as Mr. William Sykes at his feet sat a white-coated red-eyed dog who occupied himself alternately in winking at his master with both eyes at the same time and in licking a large fresh cut on one side of his mouth which appeared to be the result of some recent conflict
1: keep quiet you woman
0: keep quiet said mr Sykes, suddenly breaking silence whether his meditations were so intense as to be disturbed by the dog's winking or whether his feelings were so wrought upon by his reflections that they required all the relief derivable from kicking an unoffending animal to allay them is a matter for argument and consideration whatever was the cause the effect was a kick and a curse bestowed upon the dog simultaneously dogs are not generally apt to revenge injuries inflicted upon them by their masters but mr sykes's dog having faults of temper in common with its owner and laboring perhaps at this moment under a powerful sense of injury, made no more ado, but at once fixed his teeth in one of the half-boots. Having given in a hearty shake, he retired, growling under a form, just escaping the pewter measure which Mr. Sykes leveled at his head.
1: "'You would, would you?'
0: said Sykes, seizing the poker in one hand and deliberately opening with the other a large clasp-knife, which he drew from his pocket.
1: "'Come here, you born devil!' come here d'ye hear
0: the dog no doubt heard because mr Sykes spoke in the very harshest key of a very harsh voice but appearing to entertain some unaccountable objection to having his throat cut he remained where he was and growled more fiercely than before at the same time grasping the end of the poker between his teeth and biting at it like a wild beast this resistance only infuriated mr Sykes the more who dropping on his knees, began to assail the animal most furiously. The dog jumped from right to left and from left to right, snapping, growling, and barking. The man thrust and swore and struck and blasphemed, and the struggle was reaching a most critical point for one or other when, the door suddenly opening, the dog darted out, leaving Bill Sykes with the poker and the clasp-knife in his hands. "'There must always be two parties to a quarrel,' says the old adage." Mr. Sykes, being disappointed of the dog's participation, at once transferred his share in the quarrel to the newcomer. "'What
1: the devil do you come in between me and my dog for?'
0: said Sykes, with a fierce gesture. "'I didn't know, my dear. I didn't know,' replied Fagin humbly, for the Jew was the newcomer.
1: "'Didn't know you what, you thief,"
0: growled Sykes.
1: "'Couldn't you hear the noise?'
0: not a sound of it as i'm a living man bill replied the jew
1: oh no you ear nothing you don't
0: retorted sikes with a fierce sneer
1: sneaking in and out there was nobody ears how you come or go oh, i wish you had been the dog fagin half a minute ago
0: why inquired the jew with a forced smile
1: who's the government as cares for the likes of such men as you "'As haven't the pluck occurs, let a man kill a dog how he likes,'
0: replied Sykes, shutting up the knife with a very expressive look.
1: "'That's why.'
0: The Jew rubbed his hands, and sitting down at the table, affected to laugh at the pleasantry of his friend. He was obviously very ill at ease, however.
1: Rin away,'
0: said Sykes, replacing the poker and surveying him with savage contempt. Rin
1: away. You'll never have the laugh at me, though.' unless it's behind a nightcap i've got the upper hand over you fagin and damn me i'll keep it there if i go you go so take care of me well well my dear said the jew i know that we-we have a mutual interest bill a mutual interest uh. <sighs>
0: "'said Sykes, as if he thought the interest lay rather more on the Jew's side than on his.
1: "'Well, what have you got to say to me?' "'It's all passed safe through the melting pot,'
0: replied Fagin.
1: "'And this is your share. "'It's rather more than it ought to be, my dear. "'But as you know, you'll do me a good turn another time and—' "'Stow that gammon,'
0: interposed the robber impatiently.
1: "'Where is it? And over.'
0: "'Yes, yes, Bill. Give me time. Give me time,' replied the Jew, soothingly. "'Here it is. All safe.' As he spoke, he drew forth an old cotton handkerchief from his breast, and, untying a large knot in one corner, produced a small brown paper packet. Sykes, snatching it from him, hastily opened it and proceeded to count the sovereigns it contained.
1: "'This is all, is it?'
0: inquired Sykes. "'All.' Oh. "'replied the Jew.
1: "'You haven't opened the parcel and swallowed one or two as you come along, have you?'
0: inquired Sykes suspiciously.
1: "'Don't put on an injured look at the question. "'You've done it many a time. "'Jerk the tinkler.'
0: These words, in plain English, conveyed an injunction to ring the bell. It was answered by another Jew, younger than Fagin, but nearly as vile and repulsive in appearance. Bill Sykes merely pointed to the empty measure. The Jew, perfectly understanding the hint, retired to fill it, previously exchanging a remarkable look with Fagin, who raised his eyes for an instant, as if in expectation of it, and shook his head in reply, so slightly that the action would have been almost imperceptible to an observant third person. It was lost upon Sykes, who was stooping at the moment to tie the bootlace which the dog had torn. Possibly, if he had observed this brief interchange of signals, he might have thought that it boded no good to him. "'Is anybody here, Barney?' inquired Fagin, speaking, now that Sykes was looking on, without raising his eyes from the ground.
1: "'Thought a shall,'
0: replied Barney, whose words, whether they came from the heart or not, made their way through the nose. "'Nobody?' inquired Fagin in a tone of surprise, which perhaps meant that Barney was at liberty to tell the truth.
1: "'Nobody but dad see
0: replied Barney.
1: "'Nancy!'
0: exclaimed Sykes. "'Where?'
1: "'Strike me blind if I don't honour that here girl for her native talents.' "'She's better a plate of boiled beef at the bar,'
0: replied Barney. "'Send her here,' said Sikes, pouring out a glass of liquor.
1: "'Send her here.'
0: Barney looked timidly at Fagin, as if for permission. The Jew remaining silent and not lifting his eyes from the ground, he retired and presently returned, ushering in Nancy, who was decorated with the bonnet, apron, basket, and street-door key complete.
1: You are on the set. are you, Nancy?
0: inquired Sykes, proffering the glass. Yes, I am, Bill, replied the young lady, disposing of its contents.
2: And tired enough of it I am, too. The young brat's been ill and confined to the crib, and—
0: Ah, oh, Nancy, dear, said Fagin, looking up. Now whether a peculiar contraction of the Jew's red eyebrows and a half-closing of his deeply set eyes warned Miss Nancy that she was disposed to be too communicative is not a matter of much importance. The fact is all we need care for here, and the fact is that she suddenly checked herself and, with several gracious smiles upon Mr. Sykes, turned the conversation to other matters. In about ten minutes' time Mr. Fagan was seized with a fit of coughing, upon which Nancy pulled her shawl over her shoulders and declared it was time to go. Mr. Sykes, finding that he was walking a short part of her way himself, expressed his intention of accompanying her. They went together, followed at a little distance by the dog, who slunk out of a backyard as soon as his master was out of sight. The Jew thrust his head out of the room door when Sykes had left it, looked after him as he walked up the dark passage, shook his clenched fist, muttered a deep curse, and then, with a horrible grin, reseated himself at the table, where he was soon deeply absorbed in the interesting pages of the hue and cry. Meanwhile, Oliver Twist, little dreaming that he was within so very short a distance of the merry old gentleman, was on his way to the bookstall. When he got into Clerkenwell, he accidentally turned down a by-street, which was not exactly in his way. But not discovering his mistake until he had got halfway down it, and knowing it must lead in the right direction, he did not think it worth while to turn back, and so marched on as quickly as he could with the books under his arm. He was walking along, thinking how happy and contented he ought to feel, and how much he would give for only one look at poor little Dick, who, starved and beaten, might be weeping bitterly at the very moment, when he was startled by a young woman screaming out very loud.
2: "'Oh, my dear brother!'
0: and he had hardly looked up to see what the matter was when he was stopped by having a pair of arms thrown tight around his neck don't cried oliver struggling
2: let go of me who is it what are you stopping me for
0: the only reply to this was a great number of loud lamentations from the young woman who had embraced him and who had a little basket and a street door key in her hand oh my
2: gracious
0: said the young woman
2: i've found him oh oliver oliver oh you naughty boy to make me suffer such distress on your account come home dear come home oh i've found him thank gracious goodness heavens i've found him
0: with these incoherent exclamations the young woman burst into another fit of crying and got so dreadfully hysterical that a couple of women who came up at the moment asked a butcher's boy with a shiny head of hair anointed with suet who was also looking on whether he didn't think he had better run for the doctor to which the butcher's boy who appeared of a lounging not to say indolent disposition replied that he thought not
2: oh no no never mind
0: said the young woman grasping oliver's hand
2: i'm better now come home you cruel boy come oh ma'am
0: replied the young woman
2: he ran away near a month ago from his parents who were hard-working and respectable people and went and joined a set of thieves and bad characters and almost broke his mother's heart
0: young wretch said one woman go home do you little brute said the other
2: i am not
0: replied oliver greatly alarmed
2: i don't know her i haven't any sister or father and mother either i'm an orphan i live at pentonville only here about me bribes it out
0: cried the young woman
2: why it's nancy
0: exclaimed oliver who now saw her face for the first time and started back in irrepressible astonishment
2: you say he knows me
0: cried nancy appealing to the bystanders
2: can't help himself make him come home there's good people he kill his dear mother and father and break my heart
0: what the devil's this said a man bursting out of a beer-shop with a white dog at his heels
1: young oliver come home to your poor mother you young dog
0: come home directly
2: i don't belong to them i don't know them
0: help help cried oliver struggling in the man's powerful grasp help repeated the man
1: "'Yes, I'll help you, you young rascal.
0: "'What books are these?
1: "'You've been
0: a-stealing them, have you?
1: "'Give them here.'
0: With these words the man tore the volumes from his grasp and struck him on the head. "'That's right,' cried a looker-on from a garret window. "'That's the only way to bring him to his senses.'
1: "'To be sure,'
0: cried a sleepy-faced carpenter, casting a proving look at the garret window. "'It'll, It'll do, do him good. good,' said the two women.
1: "'And he shall have it, too,'
0: rejoined the man, administering another blow, and seizing Oliver by the collar.
1: "'Come on, you young villain. Here, bulls Mind him, boy, mind him.'
0: Weak with recent illness, stupefied by the blows and the suddenness of the attack, terrified by the fierce growling of the dog and the brutality of the man, overpowered by the conviction of the bystanders that he really was the hardened little wretch he was described to be, what could one poor child do?' Darkness had set in. It was a low neighborhood. No help was near. Resistance was useless. In another moment he was dragged into a labyrinth of dark, narrow courts, and was forced along them at a pace which rendered the few cries he dared to give utterance to unintelligible. It was of little moment, indeed, whether they were intelligible or no, for there was nobody to care for them, had they been ever so plain." The gas-lamps were lighted, Mrs. Bedwin was waiting anxiously at the open door, the servant had run up the street twenty times to see if there were any traces of Oliver, and still the two old gentlemen sat, perseveringly, in the dark parlour with the watch between them. End of chapter 15